Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. As we read Parshas V'zaysa Bracha, the last Parsha in the Torah, it is a good time to review two of the most important principles of Rashi's commentary on the Torah. Namely, that Rashi's comments are always based on a thorough understanding of a verse's content and context, and is also based on a thorough and insightful knowledge of Hebrew language and grammar. We read right near the beginning of this week's parsha as follows. This is the blessing that Moshe, Moshe, the man of God, blessed the Bnei Yisrael before his death. And he said, Hashem mi Sinai bo. Hashem came from Sinai, v'zarach mi Seir lamai, and he shined forth to them from Seir. Hoifia mehar paron, he appeared from Mount Paron, v'osa mi rivavais and he came with a multitude of holy malachim, is how Rashi interprets it, Miminoi, and in his right hand, from his right hand, Eshdos Lomai. He had a fiery law for them. Before we look further at Rashi, it certainly uh, would seem that this Pasik is referring to the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai. Pasik Gimel, Afchevev Amim. He also showed affection for nations or I like the translation that I saw in some translations, indeed, af here doesn't mean also, but indeed, he showed affection for for nations. We'll see which nations soon, etc. The rest of Pasa Gimel we will leave aside. Let's first begin with what is actually a peripheral point to the main point I want to make, but something that's very interesting. It says, Av amim, that Hashem displayed, or does display, affection for nations. So Rashi says, Gam that Hashem showed extra affection for the Shvatim, for the tribes of Israel. So Rashi is saying that the word amim does not refer to the nations of the world, but it refers to the tribes of Israel, called Echod Kori Am. And Rashi says, each one of them is called an Am, a nation. Shaharei, because we find in Bracious, Binyamin Levadai Hoya Asidlihi Valed, at a time when only Binyamin was not yet born, after all of the other Shvatim had already been born, at that time, and at that time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Yaakov, Goy goyim that a nation and a congregation of nations will come forth from you. So Yaakov already had all of his children except 
Binyamin, and Hashem said, you're going to still father a nation. So we see that Binyamin alone is called a nation, and Rashi is assuming that if Binyamin is called a nation, so then all of the Shvatim equally are each one is called a nation. So therefore, our Pasuk, which says, Amim, Rashi is able to say that it is referring not to the nations of the world, but it is referring to the tribes of Israel, each one of whom is called an Am or nation. Now, this Rashi, I have seen many, many times, many, many times over the years, and each time I kind of either consciously or unconsciously say to myself, well, okay, it's true that the word Amim can refer to the Shvatim, but why would the Torah use the word Amim over here? Why not just say Avchevev Shvatim or Avchevev Matois, which is an alternate name for the tribes of Israel? It's true that Amim is not inappropriate, but why is it appropriate? Why is it the word that the Torah chose? And the answer is deceptively simple. What is Parshas Vizaysa Bracha all about? What's the main idea? What is most of Parshas Bracha concerned with? It is concerned with the blessings that Moshe Rabbeinu gave to each Shevet individually. Moshe Rabbeinu gave to each Shevet a special, unique Bracha, which is in accordance to that Shevet's history and personal characteristics and particular heroes that arose from that Shevet. In other words, he treated each Shevet as if it were a separate entity. Of course, all the Shvatim together add up to something even greater, to Klal Yisrael. But in this Parsha, in particular, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to each one as if it were a separate entity, and therefore, it makes perfect sense. It is, it is the correct word to use, Amim to refer to this fact that each one has unique characteristics. Now to the main event. Rashi begins his comment here by saying, Gam chibo yeseira chibev That chiba yeseira, an extra measure of affection, Hashem showed to the shvatim. And the question is, why does Rashi add the word yeseira, extra? In what way was this chiba Extra. How does Rashi know that it was an extra, excessive, bonus measure of Chiba? Perhaps it was simply Chiba. It was affection. How did Rashi see in the Pasuk that it is some extra measure? And I think that if we look carefully, if we look into this, we will see that both in terms of context... Rashi's comment is justified and necessary, and in terms of Hebrew grammar, Rashi's comment is justified and necessary. Let's begin with the context. The previous Pasuk, which we read already, says, Hashem mi Sinai ba, that Hashem came from Sinai, vizorach mi seir lomai, and he shined forth from Seir, Hefofia Mehar Paron, and he uh, appeared from Mount Paron, 
And all of this has to do with the giving of the Torah. As it says at the end of that Pasuk, Miminoi Eish Dos Lomai, that from his right hand he had a fiery law to give them. Now Rashi says regarding Vizarach Miseir Lomai, that he shined from Seir. Says Rashi, Shepasach Livnei Seir Shiakablu Esatera. He opened up, he invited the Bnei Seir, meaning the descendants of Esav, that they should accept the Torah. He offered to give to them the Torah, but they didn't want. The reasons why they didn't want, Rashi doesn't go into here, but Hashem offered them the Torah, and they refused. And then, says Rashi, he, he went there, meaning to Paran, and he opened up, he offered the Torah to the children of Yishmael, Shia Kablua, that they should accept it. And they didn't want. And then, and he came, Israel says Rashi. Then he came to the Jews, and he offered them the Torah, and we know that Klai Yisrael accepted. Now, the Maharal, in his super commentary, Gur Aryeh explains that the truth is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not offer the Torah only to these two nations, Esav and Yishmael. In fact, he offered it to all of the nations, and this is uh, clearly stated in the Gemara and in Midrashim, that Hashem offered the Torah to all the nations of the world. Any or all of them could have accepted it had they wanted. Why does our Pasek and Rashi, in his commentary, only mention Esav and Yishmoel. So the Gurarya says the following words, After Hashem went to all of the nations, and they did not accept the Torah, So then he came to Esav and Yishmoel. Because these nations, it was more likely that they would accept it. Shehem Zera Avraham, because they are from the seed of Avraham, they are direct descendants of Avraham. Shekiem Kola Torah, who himself performed and observed the entire Torah. So Hashem offered the Torah to all nations, and out of all nations in particular, he had what we would call a Havamina. He thought that perhaps out of all the nations, at least Esav and Yishmoel, they would accept the Torah, and they finally, even they didn't accept the Torah. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to Klal Yisrael. It comes out that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was chibev, he showed affection to Esav and Yishmael, because out of all the nations, he really, in a sense, tried the hardest to, to, to offer the Torah to them. So he showed affection to Esav and Yishmael. What did he show to Klai Yisrael? So he showed Chiba Yaseira, says Rashi. To us, he showed even more affection because, in fact, he came and gave it to us. It's a two step process. There is the extra Milo, the, the extra qualities of Esav and Yishmael as compared to all the nations, but even that was not sufficient that they should accept the Torah. And beyond that, there is the extra, extra quality of Klai Yisrael, that, that Hashem did give to us the Torah. So that's not just Chiba that He showed to us, but Chiba Yisera.
And now for a little advanced Hebrew grammar. If we look at the word chovev, af chovev amim, so the word chovev would seem to be a present tense verb in the third person. Chovev is like Omer, he says, uh, Shomer, he guards, Shomea, he hears, and Chovev, he shows affection. Rashi, however, renders it as a past tense. He says, Gam chibi yesera, indeed, extra affection, Chibev es ashvatim. Chibev is a past tense. And it is a past tense in what is called the Binyan Piel. It is a form of the Hebrew verb which shows a certain emphasis or intensity. And other commentators as well render this word chovev as past tense. So the question is, why does Rashi take this verb, which is apparently a simple present tense, and turn it around into a past tense? I think that the answer is as follows. We have a similar word in Parshas Kisavoy, Perik Chavvav, Pasuk The beginning of Parshas Kisavoy discusses the bringing of Bikurim, of first fruits that were grown in Eretz Yisrael. And every year when the first fruits appear, the farmer uh, ties something around that first fruit as a sign that that's the first one. And then when he has a, a whole uh, collection of different first fruits, so he has to bring them to the Beis HaMikdash. And there he makes a declaration of his thanks to Hashem and his appreciation that Hashem has given us a land which has produced these beautiful fruits. And how does he begin his declaration? So he says... Arami Oved Ovi. Now, probably the most simple and literal translation would be a lost or wandering Aramean was my is my father. My father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down to Egypt, and he lived there with just a few people, and he became there a great nation, etc. Of course, to translate it like this, Arami Oved Ovi, that my father was a wandering Aramean, is very troublesome, very perplexing. We are not Aramaic people. We are, we are Hebrews. So what does it mean, Arami Oved Ovi? So Rashi says there, Arami Oved Ovi, Lovin Bikesh Kor Esakol. Lovin who was known in the Torah as Lovin Ha'arami, Lovin, the Aramaic person, Bikesh, he wanted, he attempted, La'kor Sakol to uproot everything. Kishiradaf Achar Yaakov, when he chased after Yaakov, Yaakov, after having worked in the home and on the, together with the sheep that belonged to Lovin, after having worked for Lovin for many years, and after, after being mistreated many times and in many different ways, Yaakov finally ran away, and Lovin chased after him. And Rashi says that Lovin bikesh la kor esakol. He attempted to uproot everything, etc. So, so Arami oved avi means the Aramaic person, Lovin, oved avi, he attempted to destroy my father.
Of course, we have here the same question that we have on our Pesach of Avchevevamim. Rashi is taking the word Oved, which would appear to be a simple present tense, Oved, Omer, Shomer, Oseh, and he is turning it into a past tense. He's also introducing the idea of Bikesh, that he wanted to do something, not that he actually did do something. So what is going on in this Rashi? So one of the most thorough super commentaries that deal with grammatical issues in Rashi is known as Moda Lavina. It was written by, by Rav Wolf Heidenheim, who was a German-Jewish scholar who lived from 1757 to 1832. And he was a great expert on Hebrew language and grammar. And Heidenheim explains that this verb, Oved, is not a simple present tense. It is a special binyan, a special form of the Hebrew verb that the grammarians call foel. We know that a, a plain, uh, regular Hebrew verb is called pa'al, and there's a more intensive form that's called pl, and there's a causative form that's called hifil, and so on. There is another form of the verb, which in modern Hebrew I don't think exists, but in biblical Hebrew there is another form of the verb called foel. And Heidenheim explains that there is a parallel to this verb form in Arabic. Arabic and Hebrew are both Semitic languages. They are related. And he says that according to those who are experts in Arabic, the meaning of this form of the verb is, I'll read just a few words, It indicates the constant and strong desire on the part of the actor to commit this act. To the point that he seeks to do it always. So when a verb is expressed in this foel form, it is a past tense, but it means something that was done constantly and with great desire. And that's what it means, Arami Oved Ovi, that the Aramean Lavan strongly and constantly wanted to destroy my father. As we see in the Parshias about Lavan, that he constantly was mistreating Yaakov in many different ways. He was had a strong and constant desire to destroy him. And I think we can say that in our Pasik in Parshas Vizis of Racha, the same thing. What does it mean? Af chovevamim. Chovev is also a Lushan avar. It is a past tense, but in this special form called foel. And when it says chovev, it doesn't just mean that Hashem showed affection. It means he had a constant and strong desire to show affection to the amim, to the shvatim of Kla Yisrael. Rashi says that with the following words, Chiba Yesera an extra measure of affection he showed to the Shvatim. First of all, Rashi renders it as a past tense, 
chibev. He adds the word yeseira, which seemingly is not in the Pasuk, but according to Heidenheim's explanation, the word yeseira is implicit in the verb form of chovev, because by definition, this verb form refers to some excessive and constant desire to act. In conclusion, we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us favor, he showed us affection, even more than the affection that he showed to certain nations which had a certain uh, measure of righteousness in their upbringing. He showed us more affection than he showed to Esav and Yishmael. And we see that this affection was a constant and strong affection, as represented by the foel form of the verb chovev. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash minagainbemore.